Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Good morning. You guys are sleep deprivation, not everybody's awake. I'll say that again, give everybody an opportunity to jump in. Good morning. Good to see everybody's beautiful faces. Um, I am not Levi, in case you can't tell. There's a couple slight differences between him and I. It's I don't wear flannel shirts. Um, But I do have an assignment today, and that is to preach. So that is what I'm going to do. If you don't know me, my name is is Lonnie Ridgeway, and I am a part of your community. Um, So I'm excited to be here this morning. I hope you are as well. Um, one of the things I actually geek out on in my kind of geeky mind is I kind of think about like when the Apostle Paul was around and he was, you know, arguing about the scriptures, what was he looking at? And what are some of the arguments that he made just about the scriptures? Like, I wish I could have been at least listening to those conversations, right? Even him talking about the Old Testament. One thing that I do want to point out and uh, today's sermon, and along in the next upcoming weeks, it's fixing our gaze on Jesus. And I do want to point out that, I don't know if you know this, maybe I'm reminding some and informing others, that this Bible is all about him, right? Do we know that? Everything about this Bible is about, is about Jesus, about God, right? This is the, the story. Uh, and I want to challenge you, when you look even in the Old Testament, at the stories in the Old Testament, to see the redemption of Christ being played out in every single book he is in there. Uh, every single story, the characters, Christophanes, they're, they're pointing and foreshadowing him. In Genesis, he's a seed that bruised the serpent's head. And next to this, he's a fire by night and the cloud by day that ushered Israel out of Egypt. In Leviticus and Numbers, he's an intercession made by the priest to God for the people. That's you and me. In Deuteronomy, he's the bearer up in everlasting arms. In Joshua, he's the commander and the host of the Lord's army. In Judges, he's the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And in Ruth, he's the grace, favor, mercy, patience, and the love of Boaz to a potential spouse. That's you and me. In 1 and 2 Samuel, he's the calling of young men to step onto the throne and into the throne room. And first and second king sees the whirlwind of power. He's a chariot of fire that sent Elijah into heaven. And in first and second chronicles, he is his Shekinah glory that filled the temple. And Ezra and Nehemiah, just like it said in the song, he's the chief cornerstone of every single building block of the temple. And the temple. And Esther, he put on the queenly figure and provided a plan to save the people. And Job, he was the strength of that man to say that though you may slay me, take away my wealth and my health, I will continue to serve you all the days of my life, O Lord. 
In Psalm, he's the good shepherd who lead beside still waters. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's the beginning of all wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he's a lily of the valley. He's a fairest of the fair. In Isaiah, he was a lamb that was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And Jeremiah Lamentation, he was the prophet who was set apart before he was born. He was known. And Ezekiel, he's a scroll eaten. Just like it says in chapter 3, how good is it taste? It's like honey to the lips. And Daniel, he's a protector. He walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they walked through the fire. He's with Daniel in the midst of the lions. And Hosea, he was an ever-seeking, ever-pursuing, ever-loving bridegroom seeking after the degenerate bride. That's you and me. And the books of the prophets in the Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and the Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, he is the voice pointing to a generation telling to what is to come. I'm so grateful that in Matthew, who's a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, and Mark, he's a healer, and Luke, he's a great physician, and John, he's a word made flesh that dwelt amongst us, and Acts, he was a power at Pentecost that turned the church upside down, and Romans, he's a resurrected king, giving us the power to die to ourselves and be resurrected in him. In the epistles, in the first and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, he is doctrine, he is theology. And first and second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's a calling of young to preach boldly the gospel as it, it was given to them. That means you don't have to add to it, you don't have to change it, you don't have to twist it up, you preach it exactly how it was given to you. In Hebrews, he was a great high priest who walked amongst us. In his footsteps, he left foot tracks. We know how to live, how to persevere, how to love. Why? Because Jesus was the greatest teacher, and it was in his death and resurrection that he confirmed what was to be fulfilled and became our Savior. We know that in James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude, he's the greatest power of all, the power of love. And we all know this. In Revelation, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. And there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's in every single book of the Bible. His resurrection story is in there. I'm so excited about this book. I'm so excited about our faith. And I need continual reminders to know what is important. And that is to keep our gaze upon him. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. This is going to be our passage that we're going to jump off today. And it's a big passage, and I wouldn't do justice by covering just a small portion, but I am today. I'm just covering a very small portion of it. But we're going to read the entire thing. I'm going to read that out loud. Luke, Luke 7, 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. 
Then Jesus answered his thoughts. How boss is that? Like, I know what you're thinking. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Simon responded, go ahead, teacher, as if you needed permission. Go ahead, teacher, you may speak. Simon replied that Jesus told him this story. A man loaned him money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and uh, they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown so much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'm going to go ahead and, and pray one more time. I hope you guys don't mind. I don't think you will. Uh, dear God, I just thank you for today. Um, thank you for this passage. Thank you for your word. I pray that we would continually focus and fix our gaze upon you. Thank you for this faith that you've given us. Thank you for those times that you meet us. Thank you for what you did up on the cross. Thank you for this community. Thank you for the hearts that have been prepared and the ears that have been prepared to uh, receive this message. As I even speak right now, God, I pray that you would just filter out the words coming out of my mouth and what does not need to be said, that you would halt them. Say this in your name. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like Western movies. And I was actually trying to figure out why I like Western movies. And I was, and there's a couple of things actually. You know, there's something about Western movies like there's some form of justice taking place for the most part. A good Western movie has a good, like a justice story. It might not be the best justice story, but a good Western movie has a good justice story. When I was a kid, uh, I was thinking about this last night. Um, I remember watching Western movies with my dad, right? And that's where, like, I honestly remember, like, the very first movies I was ever watching. I don't remember watching cartoons, but I do remember watching Westerns. The first movie that I remember that I can recollect from my memory that I watched was The Old Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Has anybody seen that? Yeah? No? Four people, maybe? All right, well, I don't even think it's on Hulu or Netflix or anything like that, but... I would say go to Blockbuster, but we don't have that delicacy anymore in life. Do you remember those days? It was like a whole entire event. Go with your friends, go hang out, pick some candy, pick a movie. But the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in, in the movie, there's three different gentlemen's main characters, and they're portrayed. One is portrayed as the good, one is portrayed as 
the bad, one is portrayed as the ugly. By the way, Clint Eastwood might be one of my favorite actors. I don't know why you needed to know that. I just feel like I needed to just give that information to you. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you watch the entire movie, what you find out at the end, if you're looking at it with an honest eye, is that all of them are ugly and are bad because they're going after this gold, and it's all because of their greed and selfish ambitions. The ugly, 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 the bad, 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 no good. In this passage that we read, uh, Jesus calls out Simon. So he goes to Simon's house, and he calls him out. Why? Because Simon was not gazing upon him. He was not showing him hospitality. He was not focusing on him as guests. There were some customs in Jewish households. If you were to travel and go to a, a Jewish house back then, there's some things that you could expect. You could expect your feet to be washed, right? Simon did not do that. You could expect to be greeted with a brotherly kiss showing your guests that they're favored in your home, that they are one of you, that they can be comfortable, that they're family. Simon did not do that either. Nor did he do the, nor did, he did the third custom, which was anointing your guests with oil. It was refreshing for your guests. He didn't do either one of those things. And Jesus, when he was visiting, pointed out to him after this woman, this sinful woman. By the way, you know what's funny? <laughs> when I was younger, my dad, one thing that he did that really good, one thing that he did, he did a lot of bad stuff, but one thing that he did was good was he used to read Bible stories, right? That was like his thing. And he used to tell me, and of course, like this in context, uh, this sinful woman, there's a, you know, she was very immoral in her actions. Uh, he used to tell me, he said, man, that woman right there, I never got this because I was so young. He said, uh, she, did, she did some things strange for some change. I was like, what does that even mean? And then as I get older, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But that puts a little context to who she is in this, in this story. And so Jesus calls out Simon, and not only does he call her out, but he compares and points out his actions and what he did not do to the actions and what the woman did. He said, Simon, I, I, I came here and you, you, you you didn't wash my feet, and this woman, what she did was she washed her, his feet with her tears, which is showing this, which is showing a true heart transformation, pouring out the emotions of what's taking place as she's in the presence of God. He says, Simon, you, 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 didn't, you didn't kiss me. This woman showed great humility in bending down and kissing Jesus' feet. As might I add, she is wiping his feet with her hair, which was something of great pride for a woman back in the day, right? And so what she's actually showing by doing that, she's putting down her ego, she's putting down her pride, she's putting all that to the side and fixing her gaze and showing hospitality and serving Jesus. Remember the main theme here, fixing our gaze on him. The last thing that she did was she broke open a, a jar of expensive perfume. Scholars would have said that it was probably about a year's wages this jar was worth. And what some others might have thought of was a waste, she anointed the feet of Jesus. Jesus. 
Is it possible that you can invite Jesus into your home, but not your heart? This is exactly where Simon and the rest of the Pharisees, this is the edge that they lived on. Even though that their homes might have been open, their hearts were completely closed. You know, I, I put my, for me to understand scripture, I really look at the different steps of the different characters and what they did, even in the, even in the story. And I think about this woman, right? She walks into this home, despite the eyes looking at her, despite the snickers and the sneers, and maybe people recognizing her, uh, and she humbles herself and fixes her gaze on Jesus and serves Jesus in the best way that she could in the moment. She took on the hospitality that the host was supposed to do, and she served Jesus in that way. None of that matters. None of that matters. And this is what I mean by that. My hope and my prayer is that as believers, right, and I'm believing that there's some believers in here, that when we go about our life, our fixation, our gaze is on Jesus. And even though that there's others around and all things are taking place, and other people and other things, what they do is they serve as a yardstick in our life because we do the comparison thing, and we worry about what, people's, what people say and what they do and what they think about us. But if we're truly doing what this faith calls us to do, the only thing that matters is what Jesus says. And the only thing that matters is our gaze upon him. Yes, understand in this world things happen. And they're supposed to be, we're supposed to live by our peripherals and be able to see everything. But the main focus in everything that we do should be at the very center, Jesus. A couple things I wanted to to point out about this scene, right? This woman coming in here and sitting down at, you know, Jesus' feet and serving him in that capacity and humbling herself. One, I used to read this passage differently because I thought when Simon was not focusing on Jesus, it was because his attention was on this woman and how just sinful of a woman she is. But there was a point in time in this story where the woman wasn't even on scene, which means that she wasn't even there to distract Simon, and yet he still didn't focus his attention on Jesus. So what was he consumed with? Possibly himself. The main thing that keeps us tripped up in focusing on Jesus, right? Looking at ourself, worrying about ourself, our selfish ambitions, our selfish desires. In that movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, remember at the very end, if you take an honest look, all of them are bad, all of them are ugly, none of them are good. Why? Because they're all looking at their self, their selfish desires, their selfish ambitions. The second thing I wanted to point out is this. What sinful woman during that day, someone of the things that she was doing would have the audacity to go to a religious leader's home, walk in the home without an invitation, with boldness and with all comfort, unless, I take liberty in saying this, because I believe that there's a truth behind it, unless 
that was not her first time in the home. Here's the highlighting disgusting part of this, right? Is that oftentimes, as believers, we oftentimes give more grace to people who sin like us in our own sins than we do for the sins of others. But here's the thing, if you're really focusing your gaze on Jesus and everything that you do, Jesus is the yardstick, other people are not. A stretch maybe, but here's, here's the whole thing. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly. Sin is ugly, sin is bad, it's disgusting. And that is the thing that brought Jesus to be on the cross for us, right? So if you can transition in your moment just for a second, I know you've guys seen pictures of this. Those pictures that, that we see of Jesus hanging up on the cross, beaten, battered, bloodied, right? With his arms stretched across. I want you to think of that picture for a second. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 46, this is some of his last words. He said, um, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, laba saktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or why have you abandoned me? It's a good question. Why did that happen? Here's the answer. Sin against a holy and infinite God requires a holy and infinite sacrifice. The precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, paid in full the debt of sin we owe to God. And we need no further sacrifices for sin. Jesus bore our sins on that cross, bore our sins. You and I bore our sins. He was perfect. Walked without sin, bore our sins. On that cross, the good, the bad, the ugly, our sins. On that cross. And because of his blood, we are redeemed. New creations in Christ and freed from sin to serve, glorify, and enjoy the living God forever. What happened when Jesus was being served by that woman inside of Simon's house? What happened to that woman is that she had a true heart transformation. What Simon was doing was he had behavior modification. You know what that is, right? That's doing everything by the book. You're walking right and you're upright. I feel like just like Pharisees would have been walking like this. You're doing everything by the book, so when people see you, it's behavior modification. You're doing the right things at the right time. A true heart transformation takes place when Jesus actually encounters, when you have an encounter with him. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Which means when Jesus was at Simon's house, everybody that was in that house, people who represented what our culture would represent as the good, those who do the right thing when people are watching, 
in that house, the, the bad, those whose sins were hidden, and the ugly, those whose sins are exposed or somewhat brilled, he died for them all. The good, the bad, the ugly. He died for you, and he died for me. One of the things that I think that we should do better as believers is this, is get a better grip on the language that we speak on how the gospel has affected us. Right? Like, you know, it's easy. You, you, you hear basketball players or athletes or people like, man, I just, yeah, who you give this one to? Uh, God, everything he did, this is why I won. Like, what? Like, that's why, that's why you like, what, what's deeper than that? And I think that as believers, it would be so much more powerful, our testimonies, if we would get a good handle on just exactly why and how the gospel has transformed your life. I worked at McLaughlin Youth Center, and it was about five, oh, they ate, oh, 10 years ago. Huh. Um, <laughs> it was my birthday recently, and one of the girls that I coach, I coach high school girls, she's like, you're 35, ew. I was like, ew, how did, how, wait, what? How do you get that type of response from that? But one of the kids that um, I had a really good connection with um, a couple of days ago, sent me a message. He keeps in touch with me on social media and emails me every once in a while, just lets me know how he's doing. And he's like, yo, Mr. Ridgeway. He said, man, I, I need some money. I need some cash, I need some help. And then he tries to hustle me. He was like, will you cash at me? I was like, absolutely not. Come on, I wasn't born yesterday. But he said, I, I said, what do you need it for? He said, man, I need some groceries. You know, I got you know, my baby mama, she's hungry and all this stuff. I need some groceries. Can you just please help me out? And so I said, okay, I thought about this. I said, okay, how about this? How about tomorrow, the next day, I go buy you groceries instead of cash-apping you? And he was like, yes, 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 that'd be great. And so for me, that was like confirmation, like, oh, okay, he actually, okay, he's in, he's in a tough spot. And then I was thinking about this. So this happened at like 3.30 in the morning, this kind of like conversation that we had, and I got up and I literally was thinking like, why am I doing this? Like, what's my motivation behind this? Right? And I landed on the gospel, and here's why. Lonnie Ridgeway, without the gospel and without the heart transformation that has taken place in my life, would not have done anything like that. Selfish, right? Represented the end of that movie of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I wanted my own selfish ambitions, my own desires, and I lived that way for a very long time. But there's people in my life who did things that they had no idea that God was using to align and bringing together all these different things. There's a Skip Naylor, there's a Steve Van Horn, there's an Antonio Bates. And those names might not mean anything to you guys, but to me, those are names that God used to align everything that was happening in my life when things were going sideways to all of a sudden I was thinking like, man, being raised in a Christian home, thinking about the gospel, and how all of a sudden it just like aligned, and like I'm like, oh, I, I get it now. God used all that. He used the love from those gentlemen. He used the love from the neighbor who gave me the skateboard at 12 years old, even though I tried it once and it wasn't my thing, but he still used that person. He used the people who reached out to me when I was going through a tough time and was down and out. He used all of that to align 
the Bible scriptures that I had in my heart, the experiences that I had in growing up in the church to what the gospel actually meant to me. And he used that to transform my life. So when I was thinking about, man, if I get the, the opportunity when I give these groceries to this kid to be able to explain to him exactly why I'm doing this, I am going to do that. And I got the opportunity. I said, hey, listen, man, you know, I know this is super weird, and it's, and, it's, and it's crazy. I need to get this on my tongue better, like being able to share the gospel. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, Jesus, he died for you, and he died for me, and I know that you might have heard this before, but I'm going to tell you exactly what happened in my life that transformed me to be able to do this to you. For some people, it might not be a big deal, but for me, being able to go inside of my pockets, purchase something for a kid who literally had nothing to do for me, and give him that those little steps in my faith journey have come a long way. And the only reason it has come that far is ultimately because of the work of the gospel. God transforming my heart from the inside out, a, heart, a true heart transformation. My hope is that as you are looking at your lives and thinking of exactly how you are where you are where you are at today, and how God has transformed you, that you would take a look and be able to put it in a language, be able to speak and be able to share it with somebody how the gospel just has transformed your life. They don't have this verse. I, I didn't give it to them, but I want to always like going, going to this verse all the time in Scripture, just in case anybody doesn't know, where they can clearly read where the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm reading from the ESV version, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, right? Meaning that you can look back in the Scriptures and they point to Jesus dying for us and being resurrected again in three days. I believe that's actually in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. In accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Meaning that you can literally go next door at that time, like, you don't believe me? Go ask David and them what happened. The gospel that Christ died for us in accordance with the scriptures, meaning that this Bible, it's been talking about it. That he resurrected in accordance with the scriptures, meaning that this Bible has been speaking about this. And that he died for you and for me. Because of that, your heart transformation can take place. I had a dream that I wanted to share that gave me a lot of language. And I feel super, sometimes like, as a Christian, when another Christian is like, yo, I had a dream about Jesus, you're like, oh, here we go. I'm like, was it a bunch of like, I don't know what this, I, I, <laughs> I had a buddy who was really in touch with himself. I don't, you know what I mean? Like he's a Christian and he's just all in touch with his feelings and whatnot. And uh, he, there was a, I, at, the, at this one time I was um, leading a young adults and there was a particular young woman that he fancied. I can't believe I just used that language. Like, I never said that. I never spoke like that before. 
But he told me, he was like, yo, Lonnie, he's like, I just got to talk to you about this dream that I had, this vision. He's like, you see her over there? And I was like, who, her? He's like, don't point. Yeah, her. You see her over there? He's like, that's about to be my wife. I was like, oh, time out. Let's hold back just for a second, right? Right? There's, there's some things that have to take place. Um, why do you think that? Because Jesus talked to me yesterday, and he spoke to me in a dream, and I was married to her. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe just take things slow. Maybe say hi to her first. He was one of those guys that was socially awkward. Maybe just say hi to her first, you know, and just, you know, how you doing? You know, all that. Just don't go right up to her and say, you're going to marry me? You know, that's just weird, you know? What was funny was a couple weeks later, she came up to me. She was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yes. And I was like, hold on, is God speaking to her too? And she goes, keep him away from me. He's freaking me out. He's weird. He's doing all these crazy things. He's stalking me on social media. I don't, I, this is getting weird. Keep him away from me. I was like, I got you. So this is not one of those types of, those types of dreams. But in this dream, it was during a, a time in my life where, if I'm completely honest, I don't know if you guys ever had these, these thoughts before, but um, there were some things that I was dealing with, and I couldn't forgive myself for the things that I had done. And I was literally thinking in my like, these, these thoughts would come through my head. I'd be like, man, if I died right now, I'd be going to hell. Like, I can't believe, like, I'm dealing with this right now. I should be way past this. Like, I'm going to hell. I can't believe this. I need to, you know, I need to talk to somebody about this. And, and at the time, I was serving at a church, and it even made it even more, more shameful, not because of anything that I was involved in, but things that I just couldn't forgive myself for in the past. So I went to sleep, as one does. <laughs> and during my sleep, I had this dream, and in this dream, I saw Jesus walking by. No one had to tell me it was him. I immediately knew it was him, and I ran right over to him, and as I get closer and closer and closer to him, what it feels like, it feels like that I'm confessing all of, like, everything that I've been hiding on the inside, like, confessing as I get closer and closer to him, almost as if as I'm, like, walking towards him, like, things are just coming out. And I wasn't even saying anything. It's because I was in the, the presence of holiness. And the measuring stick was really him. And as I got up to him, and I'm, now I'm like, I'm like crying, and I'm freaking out, I'm trying to get my words together. The craziest thing, he looked at me, he smiled, he said, you are forgiven. He put his arms around my shoulder. And he just starts walking with me. And I remember, like, I'm in my, in, in, in the dream, I'm, like, walking with him, like, yo, is this, is this it? Like, like, I'm forgiven just like that? And I woke up from that, and it gave me, one, it gave me so much grace for people in whatever circumstances that they're in. And two, it also gave me more language to speak to people. Because just like the woman in this passage in Luke chapter 7, just like everybody who would have been at that table, Simon, his homeboys, his friends, the sinners that were there, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what Jesus does, what God does, is he meets us at our here, right? Meaning that we don't need to fix all of this and then go to him. In the middle of the, the ugliness, in the middle of the badness, in the middle of the circumstances, wherever you are, that's where God meets us, right there. And you know what he does with you? He walks with you through whatever circumstances you're going through. 
No matter how ugly, no matter how bad, no matter how good you're trying to hide it, he walks with you. And we have a God who literally wants to walk with us, no matter what you're walking through. Does that make sense? Thank you for the person in the back who, who got that. If you guys mind wouldn't standing up, um, I'm gonna do something a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, I want to pray for two groups of people here, and you can I- identify yourselves as um walking along this thought. Uh, maybe you're here and. You just need to be reminded of one, that there's no ugliness or no badness that you have done. And I think as Christians, sometimes we forget and we're like, you know what, the gospel still applies to us. We need to be reminded of it. We need to be reminded that no matter where you are or what you've done, that Jesus still loves you, still died for you. So the first group I wanna pray for is anybody here if you're in a situation or a circumstance or some things that you need to deal with, and to you it's just like, oh my goodness, like I can't believe this. Like I'm in the midst of this ugliness, I'm in the midst of this badness. And I just need someone to just be like, hey, yo, I, I, I recognize you, I'm gonna I'm pray for you through this, I'm gonna pray with you. I think there's power in responding. So if, if, if that's you, right now I just want you to lift your hands just so I can identify you, and I'm just praying with you right here and right now. I'm actually going to pray right near right now for you. Dear God, I just thank you for your people, your community, uh, Father God, the people that you died for. Thank you for everybody here, Father, those who lifted up their hands and responded and those who didn't lift their hands. I pray that whatever they are going through, whether it's sin that's been done against them, sin that they're fighting, ugliness that they're having to shake off, I pray that you would remind them in the middle of the midnight hours when their shame and their guilt feels like it's the loudest, that you meet them at their there, at their here, right where they are, and you walk with us. And your blood, Father God, your blood, oof, it covered us from the beginning to the end. I pray that as a reminder. I pray that you would literally meet them at the next time. And when the tears flow down their face, when the thoughts get so loud that their head feels like it's vibrating, I feel like, I I pray that you would just meet them at their there and cover them with peace, cover them with your love, the greatest power of all. Say this in your name, amen. The, the second group, if anyone, you know, I've, I've been in church a very long time, and I understand this, that, that not everybody who is sitting in the pews of the church service week in and week out actually believe in everything that's taken place. I've had friends who literally showed up to church just to see what craziness might happen. But if you're here and something just like struck and you get it, let me be the first to tell you this. 
raising your hand and responding and saying, like, I don't understand everything that takes place and everything that comes with this faith walk and this journey. But something happened, and I just want to walk forward in that with hearing the gospel and understanding that Christ died for me. If that's you, if you've never responded before, you know, and, and, and you're sitting here like, I, I, don't, I don't know, that, I, I think that's me, like, I get it now. I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand as well. So if that's you, would you go ahead and raise your hand? You know what the beautiful thing is, is, uh, by the way, I see, the, I see the hands raised, and thank you, Jesus, for that. And the beautiful thing is that even if we don't raise our hand and respond in the moment, your heart has started to shift. And you don't need someone on the outside like me up here, a preacher with a microphone, telling you to raise your hand. But there's something about an opportunity given publicly when you're able to stand up and make a public statement. So whether or not you rose your hand or you're doing it silently, I want to pray for you. I just thank you, God, for the decisions and the heart transformation, Father, that you made today. Thank you so much, God, what you do in our lives. Now, thank you that the, the right time that you're calling us is when we respond. I thank you for the freshness that you give in new life. I pray for the new community members. Um, I pray that you would meet with them. I pray that you would continue to grow and everybody here just a desire and a yearning to just know you more, to know you better, to get into uh, your scriptures, to learn about you in the scriptures. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for this community that you have here, Father. I pray that you would continue to bless it. I pray that you would continue to lead us as a community to serve the city of Anchorage and to serve our community. I pray that we would never give us a, a pompous heart that as a community and as individuals that we would serve you just like the woman served you in that story, Father. In our own way, that we would wipe and wash your feet and be the hands and the feet of you. In our own way, in the context of our own life, Father, that we would lead others to you just by our services, by our words, by the way that we are. God, use us as vessels and shine your light right through us. Say this in your name. Amen. While you're standing, let me give you a, uh, a benediction, not a sermon, not a prayer, simply a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May no matter where you are, what season of life that you're in, that your gaze be always focused on him, despite the circumstances, despite the journey, despite what you might think is good, despite what you might think is bad, or what, despite what you might think is ugly. May your gaze always be fixated on Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. 
If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks, and this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.